Lemon Pepper Parlay is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet, you get with Caesar's Rewards. Must be 21 or older. That's right, it's the Lemon Pepper Parlay Podcast, football edition, even though if you ask Mark Gunnels, we're full of the swing of basketball season, unless Victor Wembanyama is shooting two for 13 from the field, then he's got nothing to talk about. But we're here now, football season. Mark, how are you doing? Your team went over there to Germany. You had to set an alarm, wake up early. Thank God for daylight savings. So at least you get some semblance of sleep, sleeping in. But 6.30 a.m. wake up to watch Kansas City and Miami. How you feeling? I feel great. Uh, the Chiefs are number one in the AFC right now. Have firm control over that. Got tiebreakers over Miami and Jacksonville, who are other teams up there. You know, obviously you got Baltimore. Don't play them head-to-head, but I think with their division being much tougher than the AFC West, I feel pretty good that we're going to have the sixth straight year of the Arrowhead Invitational this January. Wow. Six straight years, the Arrowhead Invitational. You know, that's what, you know what, that's just the benefit of having a great quarterback and a great head coach. Just you can feel that level of confidence. I have no idea what that feels like now, seeing as uh, Derek Carr is a two and a half point favorite against Josh freaking Dobbs. And that incredible story. But let's get into the vibe check real quick, because while the Kansas City Chiefs may be atop the AFC, they do not have the best vibes in the AFC right now. The best vibes in the AFC right now, Las Vegas Raiders. It's, I know they suck. They're a bad team. The vibes are great but, right now, though. But the vibes, baby. You saw Devontae Adams hitting. I mean, first of all, that jump shot was pure, okay? And that he had in that locker room with that basketball. Then secondly, watching Max Crosby, Eastern Michigan's finest, just – puffing on cigars like Joe Burrow post-national championship game. It just goes to show you just how little they liked Josh McDaniels. It's <laughs> like, it's the ultimate, like, oh, you started dressing up and going out more. You know, champagne in your glass on a dance floor. Like, I remember you used to call me. Not no more. It's over with that. I just wonder what Josh McDaniels is doing Sunday because if he was watching football, he couldn't have felt good about it. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I love the post-game celebration. I mean, it did look like they won the Super Bowl or something, right? But, you know, Max Crosby and they're vibing, rapping lyrics, like you mentioned about Devontae Adams hooping during the week. Um, yeah, man. Shout out to Antonio Pierce. He got them boys feeling good. They're a former... NFL player himself obviously can relate to the team a lot better than I'm sure Joshy could. So yeah, former uh, former Long Beach Poly Jackrabbit head coach. How about that? Oh yeah, 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 for sure. So yeah, man, I'm happy for. He grew up a Raiders fan, actually. He said, you know, and you know, it makes sense from being out here like in the LA area. So yeah, I, I think. Do you think he has an actual chance of keeping that job beyond this year? History says no. You know, just in general, most, I mean, you name the last interim coach to keep the job. But also, the last time the Raiders were in this position, they had to move on from John Gruden, replace him with Rich Passaccia, went on a playoff run, and then let go of Rich Passaccia and ended up in the boat they're in now. This team makes a run. I would not be shocked to see, well, Antonio Pierce get at least five, six games next year before. The, the the full nationwide coaching search occurs unless of course uh they crucify Jim Harbaugh for stealing signs <laughs> stealing signs cover him up uh and he goes on to the NFL then i think you know that that domino could change things yeah for sure but for my good vibes i'm going to the NFC here and you kind of mentioned it a little bit at the top the Minnesota Vikings man you know, Kirk Cousins went down. Justin Jefferson's been hurt for about a month now. You know, it felt like, well, they're about to get into the Caleb Williams sweepstakes here. They're about to start tanking and falling off the face of the earth. Well, no, not so fast, buddy. They won four in a row, and they're five and four right now. And I believe with the playoffs in it today, they would be a wild card team. I mean, I'm impressed. You know, Joshua Dobbs comes in. 
only been there less than a week, not even a week, and throws for almost 200 yards in the middle of the game and almost rushes for 70 yards. I mean, that's some impressive stuff there from the Minnesota Vikings. So I just want to tip my cap to this team because they could have easily just laid down and gave up on the season when Kirk went down, Justin Jefferson was down. But they're looking like they're going to be a playoff team. For my my bad vibes here, it's the team that probably should have traded for Josh Dobbs when he was available. The New York Jets, Jets? Yeah, I knew you were going have to. a ton. They got weapons all over the place. But I mean, I shouldn't say weapons all over the place. Garrett Wilson's legit. Brees Hall is legit. That defense, DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner, both legit. Both the Williams brothers, legit. Okay. Hold on, before you continue, or should they have signed Carson Wentz like the Rams just did 20 minutes ago? I, I can't even. I have no idea. Look, signing Carson Wentz to me right now is like buying a used car off Craigslist. It may work. It you really did, you may did not that. go. You literally did <laughs> <I've>, that. <laughs> I've done it a few times now. I'm well familiar with the crapshoot that you're getting in when you go and you buy a $4,000 car on Craigslist. It might have $500 worth of work. It might blow up on the freeway. Real quick for our listeners, I was there with him when he made this purchase, and your car just blew up like a week ago. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're okay, by the way. It did blow up a week ago. I wrote about that in my Substack, The Neutral Field, which you can see. But, yeah, I uh, – I made it out. We'll see if Carson Wentz makes it out of L.A. But no, back to your Jets point. Oh, the Jets. I I made this analogy when they first happened. It's like breaking up with your girlfriend, trying to find a new apartment, signing the lease, paying first and last month, and then the apartment building that you just signed the lease in blows up, catches on fire, right? It's infestation, rats all over the place. And you move back in where you were with your ex-girlfriend, thinking, you know what, <laughs> everything's going to be fine. It's like, no, you moved out for a reason, and you should have burned the bridge, and you didn't burn the bridge. And as a result, that's why you got bad vibes, because that was an eminently winnable Chargers game. If, uh, if, if you just had a league average quarterback starting in that game, Zach Wilson has proven time and time again he is at best a backup. Yeah, Um just a tough situation there, but I mean, based on that's not a tough situation. It's just a bad general manager. Like you signed, you signed thirty nine year old Aaron Rodgers, thinking and just was like, you know what, we're good with Zach Wilson. Here's the reality of the situation: they can't even extend Zach Wilson legitimately because he's a second overall pick. Like, think about it: if you extend him, or not, well, if he tries to take any type of money near. His draft status, which he'd be ridiculous to try to do. That, that's not but Daniel Jones has got 40 million. Yeah, you know he, also, he also won a playoff game, though. I get you, but I'm I'm just just you know, like you think he's gonna sign a Jared Stidham uh two years, ten million dollar contract? Like that that's like the one of the highest paid back backups in the league. That's where you would imagine like a Zach Wilson would be, but when you're paying Aaron Rodgers all that money, you can't even afford to pay Zach Wilson. You should have traded him in the offseason. I digress. <laughs> All right. For my bad vibes, I'm actually staying in that same division and I'm going with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, mm. We talked last week about that game. How I think I thought that game had high playoff implications potentially on who makes it and who doesn't make it. And we were talking about, well, you were talking about if the Bengals lost, like they're not making the playoffs. And I was like, why do we assume that the Buffalo Bills are just automatically in the playoffs? Cause now they're five and four. The playoffs start today. I, I actually think they're in because the Jets lost. So, but at the same time, after these next two, so they got two games coming up at home that they should win, right? They're at home against the Broncos and the Jets. You know, they lost their Jets week one. I think they'll get some revenge in that game. But if you look at the three game stretch after that, it's pretty tough. And we talk about Miami, the how they haven't beat good teams. Well, the Bills haven't beat any good teams either. And the only good team they did beat was a team that can't be good teams, and that's the Miami Dolphins. So I think we need to ask our questions about the Buffalo Bills as well. And after these next two games, they have a three-game stretch of at Philadelphia, at Kansas City, and then at home against Dallas. And then even the, the next game after that is at Chargers, which won't be an easy game. So I, I think we need to really question, will they make the playoffs? Because their defense is depleted. They have a lot of injuries. And 
they still don't have a legit second option that I like behind Stefan Diggs because Gabe Davis is not that guy. Well, here's the thing. Like, and I don't know, you know, I need to lock in more on the all 22 of the Buffalo Bills offense, but I they don't throw the ball to Gabe Davis. I don't know if he's just blanketed <laughs> in coverage, but it goes digs. And then uh, that little kid, Shakir, the the, yeah. the slot receiver. That's mm-hmm. it. That's the list of the people that Josh Allen like to throw the ball to. It's kind of crazy. That and like uh, Dalton Kincaid. That's it. That's the list right there. And James Cook on a check down every so often. But like, it'd be one thing if Gay Davis had like five targets a game and was coming up with goose eggs. But like, or like last night, Austin Eckler had six targets, four drops, or five targets, three drops, something along those lines. It's like, it, yeah, Gabe Davis is out there getting cardio. Yeah, but I, I mean, like you said, I want to watch the film too. But how diverse is his route tree? Because it seems like whenever he does catch a ball, it's like beyond twenty yards down the field. I, I, I'm just not sure how is it he, he's not incapable of running a lot of different routes or they're just not using him that way. So it, it could be a Ken Dorsey thing, right? Cause you know, we're talking about, you know, Brian Dable obviously left and Josh Allen's kind of got a l- little more reckless with the ball, I would say. And not even that he, he doesn't get held accountable. I don't think anymore. I think when Brian Dable was there, he was being yeah. held accountable. For I saw mistakes. a freaking, I know this is off the topic, but I saw a video today on social media and I hate to, I don't really like to do this. Like the when you respond to somebody else's video take that, you know what I'm saying? You put out there. Uh-huh. But somebody, like this is this right here. And you'll remember uh, two years ago, I was on this train about how I don't really care about the EPA per plays and all this and that as a definition of a good team, right? If you're telling me this team is a good team and those numbers don't add up, okay, I got you. But if you're telling me because of these numbers, this is a good team, I have trouble with that. The Bills apparently are like number one in EPA per play, EPA per dropback, all of this and that. They have been a top five EPA per team offense the, almost the entire time since 2020. And you look at that offense and you look at that team and it's like people are like, oh, you're not mad at EPA. You're not mad at Ken Dorsey. You're not mad at all this. Maybe people are upset that you have told everybody, PFFs and the like, just how good this Buffalo offense is, just how how this is a, the expected points they're supposed to add. And then you actually watch the games and then from you actually watch the games and you, what you see is they don't score after the first drive in the game. Right. They don't get first downs. They don't like when you sit there and watch it like, okay, great. That's awesome. I don't know what the EPA per play is when San Francisco runs the ball. But I know this. It works more often than it doesn't. Right. You know, Buffalo, James Cook, he's there for what purpose? Like, how are you a snow team and you can't run the ball? Like, like the Buffalo Bills should be built in the model of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then you just replace Kenny Pickett with Josh Allen. Boom, there you go. Right? But no, they can't fit anything. It's, I mean, it, but you know, don't worry because they got a sky-high EPA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, where are you going for your ugly vibes this week? I'm going to the Atlanta Falcons. You come in and you allow a guy like Josh Dobbs, all due respect to the aerospace engineer, all right? But before this year, he was updating his LinkedIn despite starting a game for the Tennessee Titans. You walk into a a team, like you said, they started the season one and three. Beat the 49ers, but, I mean, let's be honest, if Javarius Ward holds on to that ball and Jordan Addison doesn't rip it away from him, we're not even talking about Brock Purdy and how bad he sucks or if he's any good, right? We're still on the Brock Purdy as an MVP candidate train. No. But to lose to not, – not to the guy, Jaron Hall, who's been there all year. To lose to Josh Dobbs – and to not only to lose to Josh Dobbs, to lose a game in which you recorded a safety and then 
recorded two more turnovers within your own 30-yard line. So that means by definition, you're almost starting in the red zone. And you know what the, the thing I just well, – I can't square the circle. Arthur Smith went on Rich Eisen on April 1st and said, we're going with Desmond Ritter because he won a lot of games in college. We're not interested in Lamar Jackson. It's it's it's, it's ridiculous. And we have and, – and right now Lamar is like – if he's not the number one guy for the MVP, he's right there. He's top three, right? And the whole league this summer was like, oh, I can't do nothing with this after Baltimore franchise tagged him. I can't do anything. Oh, what am I supposed to do? You want me to sign sign Lamar Jackson? No, no, no. Go ahead. Run with run, run with Bahama with Bahama Bowl MVP Desmond Ritter. There you go. Then you bench it before the freaking bye week. That goes shows you how much confidence you had in just to lose to Josh Dobbs. You could have traded for Josh Dobbs. He could be on your roster right now for the measly price of a fifth round pick. Well, you say he was updating his LinkedIn, so I guess he wasn't even looking to play football this summer. After a while, he clearly was doing it. <laughs> um, my ugly vibes. I'm going to Tampa Bay. This team's lost four in a row. Lost in a shootout to C.J. Stroud, who's been freaking amazing this year. But it, it's more a big picture for me. This team has already won too many games. Uh, they won three games already. They probably won a few more. I, and I think that's going to mess up their draft positioning and getting a, their future quarterback. Baker Mayfield is not the guy. And it's not to say that he's been terrible. He's actually played pretty decent. I was about to year. say, when we and you were talking this morning, I thought you were about to come back and be like, what about Baker? Because Baker played well yesterday. No, he did. But I'm just looking at it from a big picture standpoint. I don't think they're moving forward with him as their franchise quarterback. And I, I just think before the year, this was a team that people thought could tank for Caleb or uh, Drake May. And unless they trade up, because like I said, they're, they're probably going to win six, seven games, I would say. So you're looking to be in like in that early teens area, like 11, 12-ish for your, your first round pick. So I, that's why I say that that is ugly, because I just don't know the direction of what their franchise is going towards after this season you got a lot of old guys on that roster and you know i just don't know i don't know what they're going to do and their cap situation isn't the best from what i can remember we should discuss this as a gambling podcast that two and a half point non-cover for the houston texans was one of the biggest kicks in the nuts you will ever receive as a better to watch cj come down there and Deal down the stretch. 46 seconds left. Not a care in the world. He's out there like it's a walk in the park. Ding. Ding, Dalton Schultz. Ding, Tank Dell. Ding, Tank Dell touchdown. And then we take a knee on the extra point. Not to mention, That's not to mention, nasty. had Kaimi Fairbairn not gotten hurt, they would have covered that by a mile. They wouldn't even have been in that position because they wouldn't have been going for two. You know what I'm saying? They would have been kicking field goals. They wouldn't have Dari Ugumbalale kicking the ball off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was nasty. It's just, oh, it's just disgusting. It was, it, it was not quite as bad as losing Baltimore last week, but I think it hurt worse losing the Cowboys. Hmm. Because the Cowboys, see, like, the Texans won. I actually wrote about this this morning in the neutral field. But the Texans won. Game circumstances dictated it. The kicker got hurt. You know? If the kicker doesn't get hurt, they're kicking extra points. Everything is the same. Okay. Stuff happens. The Cowboys. What are you, Tech? What are you doing? You step out of bounds on the two-point conversion. It's right there. Luke Schoolmaker, Michigan like man, this. Jake Ferguson, run the rub route. Run the rub route. Jack throwing it on fourth down to, to Jalen Tolbert. Excuse me. I thought Jalen Tolbert was the backup kick returner. Once they got Devontae Turpin in there, he said, we don't even need you anymore, pal. CeeDee Lamb has had like 20 catches and 250 yards in the last two weeks. Maybe you look for him. But in case – just in case it's the last play of the game, don't look for him there because he's three yards in front of the end zone. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think on that two point conversion, it looked like Dak was trying to avoid contact too. If he just went with straight up field, he would have he would have definitely got it. But he was trying to take the angle and not get hit. It looked like so. Yeah, that was. And then they would have been in position to kick the field goal at the end. They would have needed a touchdown. It would have just changed the whole dynamic of that, the way that game ended. But I mean, uh, no, go do ahead. you know that? The, I'm sorry, because this was another candidate for potentially ugly vibes, but I didn't put them in there because, you know, they're still five and three. But guess how many first downs Philadelphia had in the fourth quarter? First downs? They first probably downs. had like maybe – Eight or nine? They had none. Zero. Oh, they had none in the first half? They did not get a they did not get a single first down in the fourth quarter. How many did oh won. you said the first the 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 fourth quarter? Fourth, fourth quarter. Oh, I thought game. you said the first half. I'm sorry. I thought no, you no, I no, misheard no. what you said. In the fourth oh, wow. quarter, yeah, yeah. Philly did not gain a first down. Like they didn't wow. run an offense to got to got 10. This is just like it's ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. That is crazy. Another game I wanted to touch on before we move on, I think we have to kind of elaborate more on, you know, we've been doing this every week now, the Bengals being back, right? Why don't we talk about the Buffalo side of things? But how, how, what's your what's your Bengals temperature? Is it is, is still rising by the week? Uh, I'm actually a little concerned this week. Oh, really? Okay. T- tell me about that. Tell me about your concerns. Well, the, the first is I'm taking, probably going to take the Bengals on the seven. Uh, even though Joe Burrow's a killer against the spread and all, you know, but uh, I mean, Bengals. Here's the the real the real rub of it is: Does how hurt is Jamar Chase? Because as much as we talk about some of the tier one, a number one guys like AJ Brown or yeah, Eddie just put in the chat. He may not play next week. I'm not expecting. Like I'm actually kind of expecting him not to play. Yeah, uh, in terms too. of Jamar Chase, but Jamar Chase almost has a running back type of impact on Cincinnati's offense. Like no matter what he does, he's gonna get the ball and be productive, right? Like, and I some of those Jamar Joe to Jamar passes are so, you know. I, the the number one guy you think about it, ironically enough, is walking to him. Walking to him, Wentz, Carson Wentz, when he was in with the Eagles, she had to start coining that phrase because he was putting the ball right in guys' breadbasket. That's the way that Joe and Jamar have the chemistry of, and you can see that Jamar is not he. You can throw him a wide receiver screen, and he always falls forward, very much like a running back, like a good running back, and that gives me a lot of cause of concern about the, the Cincinnati offense because again, like. Schematically, they're not doing anything great. It's all about the it's it's about the Joes, the Jimmy and the Joes for Cincinnati. And let, let's talk about your, you know, we have to do this since you're a Saints fan. Um, how did that do Saints, we? Yeah. Do I we mean, have to talk about I, it? Yes, because because I didn't I didn't watch a second of that game. I'm sure a lot of people didn't. So can you educate us on what happened in that Chicago game against your Saints? You know what actually happened? You know what realistically actually happened? Yeah, what happened? What happened was everybody who was talking about how Tyson Bajant was this and that and Justin Fields could learn from him and this and that, that looking at you, Chris Collinsworth, like not if, if Tyson Bajant wasn't an XFL quarterback, the Bears win that game going away. They had more passing yards. They had more rushing yards. The only thing they didn't have more of is turnovers because the Saints were 0 to 5 in the turnover margin. Chicago wow. turned over five times. Wow. And the Saints won by a single touchdown. And not to mention that you're taking your three year, $100 million quarterback out of the game in the red zone because he can't complete a red zone pass. Not touchdown, mind you, pass. In the last three weeks or something like that, he's only completed two. It's not good. It's not good. And not um... touchdowns again, passes. Completed two. <laughs> That's not good. Uh, we talked about C.J. Stroud a little bit. So I do want to bring up his counterpart. And I know me and you weren't that high on Bryce Young, I believe, heading to the draft or just, you know, his trajectory as a quarterback in this league. He threw two pick sixes against the Colts this past Sunday. Where are you at on Bryce Young right now? And I'm watching him throw the ball to Kenny Moore and just – 
annihilating my Panthers plus like he he just uh, killed any thought of a tease. Like, thanks a lot. But the I mean, my concern level, that's the question here in the rundown. What is your concern level of Bryce Young? Unfortunately, I did not ever really think that he was gonna be a franchise changer in the so this is all par for what you expected thus far. I didn't think it was gonna be this I bad. thought he'd be playable. Right. I didn't think it would be this bad. And I think he will eventually improve, right? But the things that I don't like about him are never going to change because he's always going to be short. He's always going to want to move around and run. He's not like super fast. It's like Baker Mayfield syndrome. Like, I get it. You could run in college. But now these guys are much faster, but it's still wired in to to try to get out there. And he's going to take punishment. That's why I had CJ as my number one guy, if for no other reason than he looked more like the part. He was big. He was strong. You know what I'm saying? Like, he looked like he could take a hit. In fact, on that pass from Tank that he threw to Tank Dell, the one that, that was a perfect drop right on the sideline, and Tank Dell got two feet and went out, he said he didn't even see what happened because he got hit and was on the ground. Now, I know Bryce Young got hit at Alabama, but it's a different thing in the league, man. So I just – and, you know, Indy – I mean, the Carolina skill group, not in, not in love with it by any stretch of the imagination. Like, he doesn't have weapons, but it's just not – or I should say he doesn't have proven weapons. But, you know, you yeah. look at some of the other guys in the league and neither do they. Yeah. No, I, I agree, man. Um, like I Like you said, I didn't think it would be this bad right now. I do think he will get to the point where he's playable and he's a – formable quarterback but i think a lot around him has to be not perfect but it has to improve drastically uh, i don't like their skill possession guys the offensive line needs improvement um yeah it's 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 a it's a it's pretty bad down there but luckily for them they're probably gonna have maybe the top pick or so maybe you can get a marvin harrison jr there or whoever the top offensive tackle is in the draft i'm not sure who that is right now but yeah they they, they have a long way to go for sure. You, you know, you keep saying that they might get the number one pick or these guys are messing up their draft status. Yeah. Well, there's a team right now that I think has, what, maybe two more game, two more wins on their roster, I mean, on their schedule. Who's and they only have two wins right now. But the New England Patriots have Indianapolis this week. They have the Giants. They should beat the Giants. All right. They have the Chargers. I would expect the Chargers to win that. They have the Steelers. I would expect the Steelers to win that just off the defense. They have the Chiefs. Then they have the Broncos, another matchup that's going to be tough defensively. And then the Bills, December 31st. And the Jets on January 7th. And who knows? At the rate that this thing is going, that might be Aaron Rodgers' return. (laughs) You know how this ends. This ends with Caleb Williams. Instead of crying on his mom's shoulder, He'll be crying on his mom's shoulder again because he got drafted by New England and Bill Belichick. He's got to play in that cold. Do you have a weird feeling, though, if they have the choice of... I feel like they will go Drake May for some reason. I don't know. I feel like the Patriots would be the, the one of the rare teams that they have the option to get him or Caleb. They would actually go Drake May. That's just... I haven't... I don't have, I can't explain why I feel that way. It's just a weird feeling I got. You can't see that at all? I mean, I could. He, he, he feels like more of a patriot guy, I guess, if you wanted to say that. I don't know about all that. Why? Because he is. Why? Because he uh, doesn't paint his nails. It's like, like I mean, the NFL is changing. I suppose people are changing. Look, I went to a high school football game on Saturday. All these kids are wearing pajama pants. It's a different world than the one that we grew up in. <laughs> With that, I guess we can go to break and uh, preview Week Ten. I got, no, I got one more thing to say. Oh, okay. I'm, my bad. I jumped the gun there. It's, it's all right. It's all right. I know why you wouldn't want to bring it up, but the Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the AFC right now. Oh, I mean, I agree with that. Okay. Just yeah. wanted to make sure that we were all on the record. Yeah, I didn't think there was much to talk there. I mean, it's not no, no argument. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure because, uh, <laughs> I mean, shutting out, Arsene says shutting out, but beating – Two of the better teams in the NFC, I don't know, approximately 70 to nine. 
That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It is. I think we'd be remiss without saying it. Geno Stone, off the bench, playing like all pro. You know what that means? Good scheme. Let's take a break. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All of this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code OmahaFull and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. You keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get to stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts. Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only. Must register with the eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is held as a loss. Bet maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. No one to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, and Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Massachusetts, call one 800 Three two seven five zero five zero or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call one eight hundred two seven zero seven one one seven. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling one eight hundred Gambler. Or in West Virginia, visit one eight hundred Gambler dot net. New York, call eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y to four. Six seven three six nine. All right, Mark. Uh, we had a banger of a slate last week. This one is one of the ones that I feel like really tests your fandom and your metal. How are you going to feel about watching seven hours of commercial free football on a day like this? I mean, it's not last week, but I still think there's some pretty good matchups here that we were going to dive into. I wouldn't poo-poo this slate that much. And we're starting off with, I think, maybe the most intriguing game of the week. You got the fighting C.J. Strouds. He's going back to Ohio, even though it's closer to it's close to Kentucky out there in Cincinnati. But uh, they're playing the Cincinnati Bengals right now. The Bengals are seven-point favorites. The over-under is at 48 even. I'm curious to see where you're landing on this one because I know you're a big C.J. Stroud guy and you love the Bengals, so this must be a, a hard one for you, buddy. Well, the only thing that makes it hard is if Joe Burrow's impeccable record against the spread as a favorite, and really, honestly, against the spread in general. I just don't like betting against Joe Burrow because he is one of them ones. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and take the Texans in the seven. Uh, if Jamar Chase was playing, I would be all over the Bengals. That's how big of a difference he is to me. Yeah, actually, I agree with you. I'm taking the Texans plus seven as well. I think the Bengals still win the game, but I fully expect Jamar Chase to sit out this game. If you heard him in his presser, he was talking about how, you know, basically I need the roof for my guys and stuff. You're going to support the team. Yeah, it's not like a guy that's not playing this week. <laughs> and too, and also, too, remember at the start of the year, he's like, no, 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 Joe, you sit out. So if you got to yeah. think, if he's clamoring for other people to sit out, he's probably not going to push himself either. Yeah. I shouldn't say push himself. I'm sure he plays to all types of things. He's not going to push himself if he's hurt. Right, right, right. So, uh, but I am curious, you know, we can get kind of deeper into this game just beyond the spread. You know, I know how much you admire. Um, the master Lou there, the, the Bengals defensive coordinator. I'm curious to see how CJ Stroud does against him in that scheme. Cause I think this may be his toughest challenge to date during his rookie campaign. Yeah. I think you see something along the lines of uh, the first half, the Texans are going to need to come out and, and really establish themselves in this game. If they want a shot to win it, in my opinion, because once they get into half, one of the things that, Make is the mark of a good defensive coordinator is the ability to shut down what is happening, like what the other team is doing to beat you. And we've seen some of the second halves in Cincinnati. I mean, just think about the last one we saw. We saw Cincinnati Buffalo, primetime, Sunday night. Buffalo in the second half was an absolute hell. 
They couldn't do nothing with they, you know, they couldn't, you know, they it wasn't until very late in the fourth where they were able to, to, to put a drive together, right? And like if the Bengals offensively have been a little bit better, you know, if hell, if Joe doesn't miss uh Jamar on that deep ball, the one I believe it's the one he actually had to go up and try to jump for and land it on his tailbone. But yeah. if he doesn't miss him there, this that thing is a laugher uh, in the in the middle of the fourth quarter because that was a clear touchdown. So CJ is going to have to get out to a fast start in order to, you know, even come close to what he did last week. Yeah. Let's stick, let's stay in the AFC North as far as the home team goes, but we have actual AFC North matchup here in Baltimore, the aforementioned Ravens who are the best team in the league right now. They are favorites by six against the Cleveland Browns. The over under is pretty low at 37 and a half right now. I would take the stab on this one. This one is hard for me. Um, you know, the Ravens have blown out two NFC contenders at home, but this is the AFC North. Uh, these games are different. So I, I'm a lean Browns with the points here, man. Plus six. I, I love their defense. These are two of the top three defenses in the league with the Chiefs being in there as, as one of those teams as well. So I think you're going to have a good old-fashioned AFC North grinded out, hard-fought game. That's why it's hard for me to imagine that the winner wins this game by a touchdown or more. I think this is going to be a, a field goal-ish type game. So, yeah, give me the Browns plus six here. Uh, I agree. I agree with you. I'm also taking the Browns. I love not to pick on Eddie, but when he was filling out our rundown, he wrote Deshaun Watson played surprisingly. Period. Like he didn't have just surprisingly. Uh, and I agree. Deshaun Watson did play surprisingly because he came out and actually played well. Uh, you know, did you know not something where he, you know, lit the world on fire, but when you've been playing that poorly to start the year and you come in and you're serviceable, that's a step up. Um the key, I mean, the the Browns could win this game if Deshaun takes another step this week in this in this week of practice. See how far he recovers. Uh, don't love throwing the ball off the defender into Amari Cooper's hands for a touchdown. Generally, you would like to skip the the, the ricochet off the defender part before uh, you just throw it straight to number two there for Cleveland. But uh, I do think they keep this one close. And uh, I think there's something to be said about the way, and it's something to use in future handicapping. Lamar Jackson has only lost one game in his career against the NFC. Now, that's a weird stat. And at first, I was like throwing it away as something that like doesn't make any sense, right? Like some stats just don't make any sense. Some stats matter more, like Mike Tomlin as a home underdog, right? That just matters more. Some stats make no sense at all. But this one, I think, is something more to do along the lines of Lamar is so different than anybody else in the league because of his ability to move with his legs. And he's got a rocket for an arm and all the side angle and all the, you know, and then plus two with the different style of play calling that the Ravens have because of the things that Lamar allows you to do. I wonder if these NFC teams just don't have enough time to prepare. You know, they just don't have enough time to get ready. That's not the case for Cleveland. Cleveland, when Kevin Stefanski got hired, he knew I'm going to have to prepare for Lamar Jackson twice a year, maybe three times. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at the NFC just in general over the last, let's say, since Lamar has been in the league the last five, six years, right? A lot of those quarterbacks over there have been pretty stationary. I mean, you're talking about Tom Brady's last couple of years in Tampa Bay. You're talking about Drew Brees' last couple of years in New Orleans. You know, um, I mean, I think you can keep Matt Ryan in Atlanta, right? Like I'm naming some of the top guys from the NFC. Aaron Rodgers wasn't as mobile the last few years in Green Bay. So I, I do think there is something to that. That's a good point, actually, Brian. I like that. Uh, another point before we move on, the one thing that does give me pause on this game, though, taking the Browns to cover, will they be able to establish a running game against that Baltimore front? Because if they're living in second and long, third and longs, when that deep front, that front seven can pin their ears back, who leads the league in sacks, it, it, it could spiral out of control for the Browns. So that's one thing that I do have concern about. I mean... That's not a crazy concern because it has spiraled out of control in Ravens games quite a few. I mean, you're, there were Lamar Jackson didn't even play the fourth quarter barely 
I mean, yeah. it's good. You got half the fans in there because they're trying to beat the traffic because the team's up by 30. Yeah, and he's he's hurting his he's hurting his stats when you're like looking at MVP and stuff, like because right. he's not playing in the fourth quarter. Uh, but it's amazing move. that Lamar only has nine touchdowns on the year. That's wild. That's ridiculous. That's wild. That's wild. Let's move on to the next game I found intriguing. I found a reason to put your team in it. I think it was worthy enough. This line is very interesting to me. Martin's New Orleans Saints are two and a half point favorites in Minnesota against the fighting Joshua Dobbs. The over under right now is at 41 even. I cannot wait to hear where Martin lands on this one. Martin lands on (laughs) Joshua Dobbs. (laughs) <laughs> I am not betting on the New Orleans Saints. You know what the New Orleans Saints record is against the spread right now? I'm not sure. What is it? Nine games in. Two, six, and one. Yikes. Two, six, and one. And I have to look these numbers up. I can't find it right now. And I don't want to just run this, but Derek Carr – and Dennis, here it is. Dennis, Dennis Allen has a 26% chance to cover in any game which his team is favored. He's wow. only covered in 26% of the chance. He only covers in general 48% of the time. 26 as a favorite. This is going to be, this is the rat line of the week. The rat can line you, can of the Can you explain week. to the listeners, I know what it is, but what do you mean by, what does rat line mean? <laughs> The rat line is is something that, like, when you see it, the average Joe is going to say, oh, man, I got to jump all over this one. There's no way that this team, like, there's Josh Dobbs is brand new. Like, everything stands around to think, like, I have got to take the short favorite. Yeah. Like, but not so fast, my friend. <laughs> not so freaking fast. I mean, Dennis Allen and Derek Carr. I said, I wrote this the other day. You talking about Baker Mayfield? I said, I think yeah. the Baker Mayfield might be the best. He's the best quarterback in the division right now. Is that saying much though? <laughs> better than the four other ones. <laughs> what do you want me to say? All right, he's better than the four other ones. But I don't know. I think Justin Jefferson is eligible to come back off of IR for this game. That's been four weeks. Hey, Josh Dobbs will learn his teammates' names besides just the name on the back. Maybe he'll learn that. That uh, that's Jordan Addison and KJ Osborne, not KJ Addison and Jordan Osborne. You know, that's TJ Hawkinson, not DJ Hawkinson. I'm with I'm with the Vikings here, man. Especially two, because Brendan, uh, not Brendan Staley, uh, uh, the other Brian Flores. While it didn't work out as a head coach, he likes to run your favorite style of defense. So remember the Titans defense. We're gonna blitz all night. All right, Derek Carr, one of the worst quarterbacks against the Blitz, especially when they're playing zone in the backfield because you know why? Everybody's looking at him. All the defensive backs have an opportunity to – I mean, the, the other team did, who did this, Tennessee. Just look at the Tennessee's defensive numbers against New Orleans and look at it against the rest of the league. Yeah, yeah. it's ugly. Yeah, I'm on the same side, man. I was on it before I heard you spoke, but you gave out some great stats, as I know you would – as you being a, a member of Huda Nation. So I, I feel even better about back in the Minnesota Vikings in this spot here. And, you know, I'm all in on the Josh Dobbs storyline right now. So they're going back home. It's going to be a raucous environment. Like you said, J- Jettis may even come back. So that place is going to be rocking out there in, in the northern part of this country. So I, I'm, I like the Vikings as well here. And let's let's move on. Now this game, based record wise, oh, I oh, got go ahead, this. Go at the start of this year. Yeah, where do you think of all NFL head coaches? Dennis Allen was second to last against the spread at 21, 31, and one. So now that number updated is twenty three, thirty seven, and one. I mean, he is 14 games under the spread as a head coach. Who's the only one he's better than? Who's last? Matt Eberflus. <laughs> who's 6-11 and 11 in one year. <laughs> wow. 
That's crazy. Speaking of, Matt Eberflus for sure covered last night or uh, Sunday rather. Oh yeah, Tyson yeah. Bajan. If he was just uh, if he was just league average, they would, they win that game. I don't want to get too distracted. <laughs> well, let's go to on paper should be the game of the week if you look at the records. You have the the San Francisco 49ers who are on a three game losing streak. They're off a bye. They're traveling all the way across the country to Duval to take on the Jaguars, who are fighting for the potential one seed in the AFC. But the Niners are actually three-point favorites on the road, despite their losing streak, despite going against the 6-2 and two Jaguars team. The over-under is at 45-and-a-half. Where are you leaning on this one, Martin? I think that the Jacksonville Jaguars cover this three. In a major part because um, their defensive line and linebackers are just – their run fits are the type of things that make me as a guy who does it – like, I like running the ball. People talk about, oh, scoring is down. No, it's not. It's because y'all refuse to run the ball. If you just watch, all the defensive backs are 10 yards behind the line, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage on every single play. Andy Reid on third and short. That's what you you want to talk about the quiet part out loud. What's wrong with the Chiefs' offense? How about you just don't convert anything third and third and one anymore? The worst. Thing they, they, they just don't convert anything third and one anymore. Like legitimately, like just turn around, hand the ball off. Or you know, the reality is too when you look at the other team that was in the Super Bowl, the Philadelphia Eagles have no problem running their quarterback to go get a first down. The Kansas City Chiefs flatly refuse to do so, and like have not found like the Philadelphia Eagles level answer to that. It gives me a lot of cause for concern if I'm Kansas city, especially when you're not blowing teams out like you have been in. I'm not just blowing teams out. I shouldn't say, because Kansas City's always kind of played with their food a little bit, but especially when you don't have an offense that feels like you can blow people out every game. Like, you know, beforehand you weren't worried about Kansas city scoring 30 points a game. Now if they cross over 24. I think you feel like that's a good day. Yeah. hundred percent. 100%. Anyway, the Jaguars will I think the Jaguars will stifle Christian McCaffrey in the run game here off the bye week. Trent Williams probably will not play. If he starts to play, then I'd have a different view of this thing, especially Trent's him and Debo still out come even back. Despite, he's still out even after the bye? He's still not going to play. I believe so. Wow. I, I believe okay. so. But what about, him and, what, I think Debo's back though. I think he should be back. I, the, the last I heard they were evaluating Debo in the bye week. Like he would have, he would have gone on injured reserve had the Niners had four games after, you know what I'm saying? But because they had to buy, they yeah. thought, okay, maybe we could buy him. Maybe we could don't have to put him on IR and we could, you know, save that spot for somebody else and see if we can get his shoulder together in that time period, uh, over that three week period, see if he can come up and play. But even if he does play, he just broke his shoulder four weeks ago. He would have gone on IR. I don't know how effective it'll be. And if you don't have all of the Avengers, Together for the San Francisco 49ers, I do not believe in Brock Purdy's ability to overcome that. Yeah, so this is our first disagreement so far. I'm taking the Niners uh, minus three. I I like them off the bye. I think they had a lot of chance to self-evaluate things, um, take a a hard look in the mirror and, and correct some things, clean some things up. You know, Martin, I saw Brock Purdy. He was in Ames, Iowa. He was back at Iowa State to watch his Cyclones lose to the Kansas Jayhawks this past weekend. Mm. I think I think that was refreshing for him to go back home. I think he's refreshed now, Martin. Go back to Iowa. Everybody patting him on the back. Say, it's going to be all right, Brock. You'll be fine. So I think he's re- re-energized. I think the Niners are re-energized. I don't see them losing four games in a row. I know they can still win the game without covering, but since it's so short of a number, it sounds like you may think the Jags may actually win this game. So is that the case? I do, and I'm feeling some type of way about my Houston Texans future bet for the AFC South because earlier this season when I was (laughs) charting out the schedule, when I was charting out the schedule, I had this chalked up as the Jags lost. But after, I mean, I can't deny what I've seen. New information, baby. No information. And then, you know, before I would have been like, oh, forwardable defense, right? Well, the Steelers, I mean, defense is not as good as it has been in years past, but it's still pretty damn good. And Jacksonville went in there and won an ugly one in the rain. Like, I can't – and and freaking uh, uh, Travis Etienne is playing – like, I think we talked about this. 
Name them back in the AFC playing better right now. It's hard to name one. I don't think I don't think I can. I you know, I like in the last three weeks, maybe uh, uh, McLaughlin in Denver, maybe, but like not. The lift is short. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like where his production has been off the charts. So yeah, I'm with. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and roll with the Jaguars. And uh, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just. The, I think the 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 bloom might have fallen off the rose to the 49ers. Who knows? Yeah, uh, I just think windows don't stay open forever. Yeah, I just think it's for me, and I I probably said that that they lost the first game and the second game. I can't see them losing two in a row. I can't see them losing three in a row. I'm gonna still keep saying it, Mark. I can't see them losing four games in a row. I just can't. So I'm banking on that. I'm just banking on that, man. <laughs> but you can. And if they do, I oh, can. man. All hell is going to break loose, right? I do. Yeah. I mean, look, it'll be good for uh, it'll be good for ratings. <laughs> <laughs> it will be good for ratings for sure. But let's go to our last game. I find this game sneaky fascinating. You have the Detroit Lions traveling out here to L.A. to take on the Chargers. The Lions are off a bye, and they are a favorite minus two and a half. The over-under is at 48 and a half. So they're expecting a lot of points in this game. I'll take my first stab on this one. This was probably the hardest one for me. Got the Lions off a bye. They've been the better team thus far, but the Chargers sneakily could be finding something maybe. I know their offense didn't look good last night against the Jets, but you know, one thing good. about them, though, they they found a way to win. They did other things to, to win, which is something they haven't done in previous years. You know, they got a, a punt return. The defense caused turnovers. I know it was Zach Wilson. I get it. But, ah, this is hard for me. My head is saying, just take the Lions minus two and a half. But you know what? This is the rat line, Martin, to me. Because if you look at it, you should be like, Lions minus two and a half. I'm hammering that against the Chargers. I think this is the rat line of the weekend. So I'm taking the Chargers plus two and a half. I think you got the rat line wrong on this one this week. I've already bet this game, actually. And I bet it last week when the Lions were a pick em against the Chargers. So I got the Lions money line, even money, basically, oh, wow. after uh, – because I, I just, you know, happen to scan ahead and I'm like, this way, this doesn't make any sense. The Chargers? And, you know, but, had they but, lost it. could not fall under the rat line definition by you saying that? <laughs> it could, but I don't think it will. Okay. I don't think, so. look. All right, so what's the Chargers path to victory, right? We saw it last night, especially if they don't have Josh Palmer. Their offense is struggling without another receiver opposite Keenan Allen, right? Justin Herbert and his finger not feeling great. But he got hit a lot last night. Well, newsflash, Lions has defensive line. We'll get home through that Chargers offensive line. And also, like – And it's a short week for the Chargers, too. Short week for the Chargers. Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack. I know I've heard the names before. But if you take out the Oakland – I mean, the Vegas Raiders under Josh McDaniels, Khalil Mack has one sack on the year. You know, yeah, like, yeah, like it, six in one game. Yeah, six one in game. one game. Right, exactly. <laughs> I know Bosa got home yesterday, and I know Tua, the new, the the, the rookie they got at USC, Tua. I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Tuli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tuli's been getting home. You know, but I don't buy that. Uh, I don't buy that Detroit's offensive line is going to allow it to happen, especially coming off of a bye. So this is it's a trenches one for me. And that's fair. And I I really can't argue that. I, I'm just going off. This is my rat line of the week. It, it just looks too blatantly obvious to go with the Detroit Lions here. And, you know, maybe I'm banking on a little sluggishness off the bye. Even though the Chargers are on a short week, sometimes that can work in your favor. And when you play, when you play a team off a of bye, hasn't played in 14 days. You know, so I, I, I'm, I, and I think they'll be more desperate too, you know, they're four and four right now. They're fighting for their wild card lives. So I'm kind of banking on those things, and and I'm hoping that somebody opposite of Keenan Allen can actually step up in this game because they're going to need it for sure against that uh that front. They're going to have to have guys get open quick and maybe scheme some things up because they're not going to have time to do these five seven step dropbacks for Justin Herbert and think they're going to be efficient throughout the night. But I'm also, but I will say this though, I do think Austin Eckler can have a game. I think this is an Austin Eckler game. 
I mean, I don't hate it because, you know, it's check down Charlie. You know, especially, again, Herbert is one of these quarterbacks that they're playing with these super, you know, these shell coverages, super high, two high safeties, middle field open, and they're just locking up all the deep routes, right? That's the, that's the name of the game because they're like, I dare you, run the ball. And Kellen Moore is like, I won't, I refuse. And that's just, and we saw it in yeah. Dallas as well. So, yeah, that's, that's, where, that's where I end up on it. Like, I'm not sure what... Oh, one more thing. I'm not sure where the props are at now, but I would take a stab at looking at Austin Eckler over on catches and receiving yards in this game. I, I don't hate it. And Keenan Allen has been going nuts all season, honestly. He's yeah. been uh, an eight-catch, 80-yard all all year. And, you Shout know, out to him, finds too, man. Did you, did you cut that crazy catch he made today? I mean, last night? Today, I did not, but I saw it and I yelled <laughs> when I saw it. And uh, my girlfriend looked at me. She's like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, if you had been paying attention, you would have yelled too. A crazy catch. <laughs> and that catch got him to over 10K career yards. So shout out to Keenan Allen, man. I'll leave you with this, Mark Gunnels. Yeah. I'll give you a guess. Okay. The number is more than 10. All right. Okay. How many games... Do you think that Dennis Allen would have to win in a row to get to a 500 career coaching record? Oh, man. Mind you, he has coached four total, well, I guess three total seasons, part of one in which he got fired, and now this one. So I call it five years. So roughly around 70 ish games total? No, nah, way less than that. Oh, so like oh no 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 no! You're right. 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 Like right, total right, coaching, right. total yeah, yes, yeah, total yeah, coach, yeah. total yeah, yeah. coaching. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. so if I put that into account, I would say probably about fifteen. He would have to win the next twenty-two games in a row to yes. finish with a five hundred career record. The only people in NFL history who have worked over fifty-nine games. Like Dennis Allen has. The only – he ranks – he's a, one of 176 head coaches to work over 60 games. Okay. He is 171st in career winning percentage. <laughs> wow. That, that's remarkable. There's only five people who have graced this earth and coached in the NFL for 60 games with the worst winning percentage than Dennis Allen, who is a two-and-a-half-point favorite this weekend. What can go wrong? Hey, I'm convinced that you just have all the Dennis Allen stats like on a on a, on a spreadsheet right, ready for you at any time because you routed off like five different Dennis Allen stats in this show. <laughs> because if he coached anywhere else, everybody else would be on this. But because it's New Orleans, it's a small town, and nobody cares, Yeah, you know, in the grand scheme, but like, let him coach the Giants, all right? And everybody would be losing their minds. <laughs> everybody oh, be talking man. about how the Giants are an embarrassment to the NFL and this, that, and the third. Well, like, if, if, if you guys haven't learned anything throughout this show, one thing you should take away is fade Dennis Allen any chance you get, especially when he's a favorite. <laughs> it's a great retirement strategy. You want to take a break and get to our lemon pepper parlay? I absolutely forgot all about lemon pepper parlays. Let's do it. All right, Mark. Let's get this. Let's get through this quick. Cause I did. I super thought we were wrapping up. We got to be going pretty long now. Sorry about that spaghetti, but what's your lemon pepper parlay? Yeah. So I got two, um, two money lines this week. So I'm going with my first one. I'm keeping it simple. I'm going with the Niners. I know we talked about that game before. I think they bounce back. I can't see them losing four in a row. And then I'm pairing that with the Ravens at home on the money line, uh, taking care of business once again against the Browns. And I and I get both those plays still at plus money, plus 122. Yuck. You talk about me and some of my parlays. What's I wrong mean, with I that? Guess, I guess money. so. It's 122. No, you got to put out a real banger like me. I'm taking the Lions. If it's a rat line, I'm eating the cheese. I'm taking the Lions on the money line and the Pittsburgh Steelers on the money line as well. You parlay those together. You parlay those. Wow. 
You got it, pal. Plus 164. Let's go. This dude said it like it was going to be plus 400 or something. <laughs> no, I already knew what time it was. Oh, but you know what the other thing is? My favorite factoid about the Saints. I, I had it in my head. I don't remember. I don't know what he did last week, but Blake Groupie had missed five kicks so far this year. Rookie out of Notre Dame, I believe. Uh-huh. And they, they assigned him thinking, oh, they'll all be good because they had to trade the all-pro kicker that they had for years, Will Lutz, to Denver. You know why, Mark? Because they couldn't afford him because it was a salary cap move. Imagine not being able to afford your punter. That's how badly the Saints have been managed in the last five years. They couldn't oh, afford the punter, so oh, they traded. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, the kicker. The kicker. They couldn't afford the kicker, right, right, so right, they right, traded him. Right. And then, not only that, you know, who else they couldn't afford? Now that I think about it, Thomas Morstead, who did make a mistake last night for the Jets, punting out and out kicking the coverage, and that's why Davis was able to kick, bring that thing back for a touchdown. But Thomas Morstead won them the game against the Giants. But y'all are able to afford Taysom Hill, though, right? Like, that's exactly. why. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Taysom Hill, and, and if you have the opportunity to line up and pay, you know, Taysom Hill and Derek Carr combined $175 million guaranteed, why not? If this was college or like high school recruiting, he would have like ATH next to his name. He's just athlete. He doesn't have a position. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's absolutely absurd. All right, but good show. That's Mark. the league we live in. We'll see you guys next week. Good luck.